You're listening to a podcast of Spirit's Morality. Hello and welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Johnston and I am joined this week by Sam. Hello. And Connor. Hello. And we are returning to the theme of history and historical episodes in Doctor Who. So this is part two. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the last episode. We sort of got to talk about some really interesting stuff. I liked us talking about the time meddler and I like what Alex said as well about sort of um, Omega using the concept of history. Yeah, that was great. It was kind of unexpected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it, it was nice to sort of look at it a slightly different way. Uh, So we're going to try and continue uh, with that here. Um, Spoiler warning, uh, we are going to be talking about historical Doctor Who. We may end up picking from anything at all, uh, but we're definitely going to be talking about the Peterloo Massacre, Thousand Tiny Wings, the Settling, and a bit about Jago and Lightfoot as well as some other Victorian set stories. So it's you've been warned. It's quite a broad spoiler warning, but we need to do it. Um. So the first story I want to talk about is uh, the Peterloo Massacre. Um, now, I live relatively close to Manchester, uh, so it's 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 a bit of local history. It's not the biggest historical event ever as far as a lot of people are concerned, but it was very significant. It did have its um, sort of consequences, uh, and it was dramatised very excellently by Paul Mars uh, in what I would consider to be one of the strongest monthly range stories. It might even be my favourite Fifth Doctor story from that range. Um, I'll get your thoughts on it first, Sam. What do you think of the Peterloo Massacre? Um, so it's really, really good. So I also, I, I live directly in Manchester. Um, I actually listened to it for the first time not long after I'd moved here. Um, so it kind of, it was really interesting doing it. I wasn't uh, walking anywhere near the places it was happening but it was it still had that kind of like local connection uh, it was really interesting and uh I'd kind of i knew about it in quite plain factual terms before but uh hearing it dramatized really as you say really excellently um actually gave me a really quite strong emotional connection to the the kind of events and met and sent me off on like a bit of a research binge afterwards um i just thought it was yeah it's a kind of like relatively uh it's it's not it's an event that's not talked about so often in in like british history but like as you say a very very important one um and w- one of the things I, I really like about it in terms of its like approach to uh, approach to history 
is it, uh, and this is something I'll probably get get onto again and again in this in this episode. Is that I think Big Finish because they're creating stories for an, a smaller audience and actually pump out a lot of stories. Um, they're sometimes a bit braver with the the content of, the, the, of this kind of thing. So, like the Peter Lee Massacre is is as far as I know, one of the only Doctor Who stories that deals with what is kind of an explicitly like working class history. You know, it's it's like an event in kind of like that's uh, really important to the history of like unions and the Chartist movement and generally just like ordinary people agitating for their own rights. Um, and that's something we that uh, Doctor Who on TV has, has not been brave enough to kind of delve into. Uh, so I really, I really, really appreciate it for that. Yeah, yeah, it does sort of push push things a little further than a TV episode ever would. And I briefly mentioned it in the last historical episode we did. I absolutely love the fact that it's it builds up and builds up. It builds up. There's such a sense of foreboding. You can just see how everything is going to go disastrously wrong. And then it does, as, you know, history tells us. And that's the end of the third episode. And we then have this whole episode of consequences, of personal stories, of how it affected people. And that's something we never, ever get in Doctor Who. It's always, okay, the big event is has either just happened or in some cases is about to happen. Uh, let's jump in the TARDIS and get out of here. Um, Peter Lumasca doesn't do that. It, it sort of sticks around and it it deals with personal consequences of, you know, what was an absolute disaster. Um, it, it's it's an incredibly strong story. I love it. Uh, Connor, have you got anything to add about it? Yeah, I really, I really love it. It's um, as far as I'm concerned, it's essential listening um, for anyone who's getting into Big Finish. You know, you see when someone comes along on Twitter who says, "Oh, I've just discovered Big Finish. I'd like to get into it. Can anyone give me some recommendations?" You can usually guarantee someone's going to reply with "Storm Warning" or "Spare Parts" or "The Chimes at Midnight." I think every single list that recommends a newcomer uh, to Big Finish should include the Peterloo Massacre um, because it is just that good. Um, it's really, it feels really, really meticulous in the details it goes into. Um, uh, even right down to the, the guest characters, they're all slightly fictionalized versions of real people. Um, there's no, you know, you know sometimes you get, you get a, a historical story um, and they've all been replaced. You, know, you get the events of the story, but all the characters have been replaced. You know, the people, you know, sometimes you get, you're listening to the characters, you're not sure if they were real. All of these people were or or are based on real people and um, there was no hugh hurley or there was no captain hurley but there was a hugh burley who was in the yeomanry and was a factory owner um there was a reporter from london named john tyus and he's it's it's tyler in the story is the reporter who comes up from london um and kathy and her son then as well are based on real people um their names were anne fields and her son was called william they were trampled by the cavalry uh, and was injured and William was killed. Um, so everything you hear in the story is as possibly close, I think, to the reality as you can get, um, which I adore about it. It's, I think it exposes the brutality of what happened um, and puts that over really, really clearly. Um, I'm really impressed actually by the third episode cliffhanger where you've just gone through what feels like a real time playing out of the events of the actual massacre. 
So you've had two episodes of build up. The episode uh, episode three then covers the actual massacre, as it were, um, and you get the Doctor who has just witnessed it all. Um, the arch pacifist, especially the Fifth Doctor, refusing to lay down arms against the Yeoman um, for for what they've done. Um, I I think it's absolutely superb. Yeah, it, it's it's incredibly powerful stuff, and it, it you know it's as we've said, it was a very sort of historic uh, historically significant event, and there were consequences of it. But even as we record this, there is so much talk in the UK about you know people not being paid enough, about the cost of living being too high, and listening to it a few weeks ago, I, I genuinely just sort of thought. This is alarmingly relevant, actually. What what the characters in this are marching for, you know, what starts off the events, it, it's it's not too different to actually what we're seeing a lot of in the news today. And anyone who's ventured onto, a, I'm getting ranty now. I'm so sorry. Anyone who's ventured onto sort of the comments page of a news story about the strike or whatever, about strikes or whatever recently, there have been, you know, oh, you know, we should just you know, death threats and all that kind of thing. And you just sort of think, actually, have we learned any lessons? And do more people need to listen to this absolutely excellent Doctor Who release to just educate themselves a bit? Yeah, I really, I really, I think what historiography on like the, on Peterloo gets at is that, you know, it's, although it's, it's like a, a kind of like, momentous really important event it's not something that happened in in isolation you know it was part of like uh a, a, like an ongoing struggle a struggle that in in many ways is still going on today you know like it's it's not kind of like it's not one of those it's not like a one of those things like a you know famous battle or whatever where it just kind of happens and then you can see the consequences spill out from it it's like it's all of the the kind of tensions about about class and money and, and and human rights and things uh that you know they, they there's there's like a through line from that to, to now to the kind of era we're living in yeah it's um what a sort of high school history book would refer to as events leading up to really isn't it in a way um but yeah it, it, it's an absolutely great story i do thoroughly love it I will say I, I think like actually something I I say I had like an emotional connection to it because I, I, I like I you know I had was aware of the events of Peterloo before I listened to it but something the story did so well which made me angry right like it actually really kind of um, fired me up and made me kind of yeah the the emotional connection that I had to it was one of actual kind of like real real strong kind of like i'm not gonna say maybe even bordering on fury about the kind of like the way the state and the government actually really well killed a lot of people and 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 hurt people and all that stuff like it it just really it nailed that really effectively hearing it like acted and 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 taken for what is a kind of like you know a, a niche doctor who cd play actually like really takes it takes it really seriously and and does it so well yeah absolutely um let's i mean that i mean the warning to anyone listening now this isn't the only heavy issue we're going to deal with today we've picked some particularly grim um, historical events and adventures to discuss so 
it, it, it might get a bit heavy, but we're fine. We'll carry on. Um, let us venture on to uh, the next story we've selected to talk about. It's another absolutely exceptional uh, release from Big Finish, and that is A Thousand Tiny Wings. Um, and I think there was a fair bit you wanted to say about that, Sam, wasn't there? So go ahead. Okay, yeah. So um, I think, again, this is kind of a story that deals with something that uh, Doctor Who on television has never really been brave enough to do. Um, it's, it's kind of... So yeah, like the the Mau Mau Uprising is one of Britain's most shameful episodes in, in, like, um, in its history, really. A, th- a Thousand Tiny Wings is really smart in the it i was a little bit apprehensive when i re-listened to it for this um because i remembered it being uh, a good story obviously but i wasn't sure it's kind of like the the themes of kind of like colonialism and empire i'm not sure it would i was was apprehensive and not sure it was going to deal with things all that well just because there are some other stories from that same kind of time uh made by big finish that don't always like hit hit the nail so well um but what I thought was really, really good about it was comes from its use of of Klein, um, who's obviously like a you know an outspoken fascist and white supremacist, and it's drawing a very strong connection between her views and the views of a lot of British people at the time. You know, like a, a white supremacist finds herself stranded in the real timeline, where's she going to find a home? Like British Kenya is a pretty good start. Um, and through her conversations with uh, like Sylvia and and Belle's character, um, it really um, highlights the fact that these sort of like you, you know like uh, Nazi Germany was a kind of unique evil in history, but like a lot of the a lot of those same kind of like like viewpoints and attitudes were held by loads and loads of British people, especially in the kind of settler colonial states, and um, the yeah the story just like is so good at drawing the lines between those two uh quite similar like strains of thought um yeah i just i just thought it was actually like surprisingly excellent about this sort of thing um i was really impressed yeah it's it's another story that just consistently feels there's this sense of foreboding throughout this i mean obviously you know we know it is based on real events perhaps you know, less, uh, or perhaps more loosely than uh, Peterloo Massacre, but we know, you know, the Mau Mau Rising did happen. We know various things occurred. Um, and that sense of foreboding is there. And it's actually, I think it's an interesting way to sort of approach it, looking at a group of people who I suppose think they're the victims and they are in real danger, but they've, they think they're the victims. They also think that they're superior and they think that it's all going to be sorted out. And it, the, there are so many themes sort of clashing throughout the story. And it, it's an incredibly powerful and actually quite difficult listen, I find. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Connor? Uh, really just an extension of, 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 of what you have said there. It's not... To me, it's not a story about the uprising, you know, as you said, in the same way that the Peterloo Massacre is a story about the Peterloo Massacre. The uprising is a backdrop more to the story that's being told in that house. And it's sort of used as as 
it's sort of used to drive the conflict between them and and sort of ramp up the tension um you know both between those characters and in the sense that you know there's unseen enemies to those you know to to the characters in the story sort of lurking around the edges of the uh the house um and it's 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 used more to build um that tension and build an atmosphere um rather than tell the story of the of the uprising i think um i think it's a great story in and of itself um but it's more i think it's more base under siege that happens to be said in the past rather than a historical maybe maybe on yeah. face value I think yeah. the, I think those the the kind of like the in its dealing with with like colonialism and empire those themes are kind of like th- threaded through. I, I mean, as as you were saying, like the the kind of the fact that all of the characters think they're victims, even even sort of like I think it's Lucy, like the the younger one, uh, is the most kind of like on the face of it kind of like sympathetic character. But even she has these really like patronizing. Um, yeah these patronizing attitudes to the, the people that that kind of like work for her and all of this so, so, so it's kind of like the i just thought it was great how all of the that that kind of like yeah that that like colonial mentality and that ideology is is seeding into all of the characters and not a single one of them is is actually is actually a good person apart from maybe the doctor and even then it's kind of like new adventures era uh seventh doctor so he's he's a bit like dubious as well um i think like the, there was a couple of so the the parts that were maybe a little you know first first off like uh i think andy lane writes that like jomo kenyatta was his head of the mau mau that wasn't true um he actually was kind of like really distanced himself from that movement especially after he became president uh also there's there's a bit where Klein is saying that the the war was solved via, or she's complaining that the war gets solved via diplomacy rather than total conquest and annihilation. Um, that's and and you know this is coming out of the mouth of Klein, probably not true, and reflects her own biases. But that's also untrue. You know, I'm not going to detail all of the colonial crimes and, and atrocities, but there's uh, a really really good book by Carolyn Elkins called Britain's Gulag, which gets into why that isn't true at all actually um and kind of the, the the things that our our government got up to they're really really bad um but it's i think those yeah the the way those those themes are threaded and even with the, the kind of enemy the birds aliens i think there's possibly some inherent fear of kind of like a um like a, a collective enemy you know so this kind of like slightly racist idea of like a swarm or or kind of like just just gang of of enemies uh is kind of interesting there and and is i don't i think that's that's not um unintentional yeah it it does play with sort of quite a lot of ideas and there seems to be a lot being thrown into the pot as it were and um some stuff does I mean, I suppose it's the case of, you know, in any historical drama, there are inaccuracies uh, and there always will be. You know, we, we watch some, watch and listen to some very powerful pieces, but it doesn't mean they're sort of 100% accurate. Um, but I agree that there are just little things in there that maybe aren't 100% right, but it certainly doesn't stop it from being, you know, a strong story that does, you know, it challenges 
um, you know, the, these themes and these ideas, you know, ideas of colonialism and that kind of thing. And I think generally we can, you know, as a society, we look back at it now and go, mm, yeah, we were, you know, the British, we weren't great there. We, we really, really weren't. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in 50, 60, 70 years time, uh, will Big Finish be making audio dramas about Brexit and various other things, recessions and cost of living crises and other stuff like that? It's because it's, it, it's within living memory, isn't it? Um, it's, it's the 50s, isn't it, Sam? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it was like 56 to 60. Um, and a lot of the a lot of the veterans on both sides are actually still alive. There was a big um, a campaign about ten years ago to buy some of the Malware veterans to actually get. Uh, and, and Carolyn Elkins was part of this, like a big fight to get compensation and uh, recognition from the government about the kind of things that were done to them. Um, it's it's this it is still a very uh, present issue, and yeah, a lot of the people involved are still alive. It's I suppose it's the equivalent of. Uh the war games doing world war one in 1969 and that kind of thing or yeah it's kind of it's it's close Fenric to it's doing within, world war two for sure for sure um so yeah it, it's it, it is always interesting i find when doctor who delves into history that's i guess uncomfortably close um you know when i think about it it's thousand tiny wings is only set 40 years before i was born that's alarming really um, especially, you know, when you consider some of these attitudes and the way the characters behave and all that kind of thing, it's, yeah, it's quite alarming. But I suppose we can't really pretend that attitudes like that, that A, didn't exist then and B, don't exist now, because of course they do, they absolutely do. Um, yeah, um, are there any sort of other stories that you feel handle colonialism uh, better, worse at all, Sam? Um, I, I think in terms of like the, well, like the modern British Empire, I think Thousand Tiny Wings is the only story, uh, or the only audio story that I can think of that actually deals quite so directly and, and deals with so uh, like consistently. There, are, I think there are quite, there have been quite a few, um, quite a few maybe sort of more spacey set adventures that have done think, this allegorically, but I think doing it um in such a direct way um it's the most effective and as as far as i know this is the only story that deals with these themes in quite in quite that way it's certainly the only one that um i can think of at the moment yeah uh let's venture on to a story that uh connor wanted to discuss then which is a it's a relatively early uh, as in first a hundred, uh, big finish release, uh, and it's it's an early story for Hex as well, if I remember properly. Uh, but it's the settling. So talk to us a bit about the settling, Connor. Yes, um, you might need to put a wee soapbox of you know sound effect in here, you know. <laughs> um, so the settling is, as far as I can tell. Now I don't really go into sort of Doctor Who novels, certainly from the wilderness years. Um, with any great extent, but this is so there, there might be one in there, but this is as far as I can tell the only Doctor Who story that deals with Irish history. 
Um, and I do get a little bit, uh, I, I do get a little bit of a chip on my shoulder <laughs> um, with regards to Doctor Who in Ireland because every time I see Doctor Who, even even in terms of production, when I see Doctor Who flying off to uh, the United States or South Africa or or Spain or, or somewhere abroad, I'm going like, guys, we're right here. Just cross the Irish Sea and do something over here. Um, and even on TV, uh, Ireland has still never appeared um, in, in Doctor Who. I remember seeing after the haunting of Villa Deodati, it had come up on um, Twitter that someone had identified Brendan's uniform from the trailer as an early 20th century Garda uniform. I thought, oh my God, we're finally getting an Irish story. And then it turned out to be a Matrix projection. It wasn't real. And we're still, we still don't have a TV story set in Ireland. Oh, so close, but so, yeah, so, so, far. <laughs> so far. So far. But the settling is, as I say, the only one that I can tell, or the only one I'm aware of that deals with Irish history, um, certainly as its main feature. And it's amazing. It's, it's another one of those classics. Um, there's an awful lot of <laughs> there's an awful lot of classics in the the hex arc, um, which I'm working my through or working my way through quite slowly at the moment. Um, so the events that it covers, which is Cromwell's sort of settling of Ireland, um, are still talked about today here, and they're still quite contentious here. Um, where you have one side praising him and one on one side cursing everything about him. Um, and this goes in, the settling sort of goes through almost quite a nuanced take on him. Um, it flirts very briefly. Well, not even very briefly. It does paint a more rounded picture of him than um, I expected. Um, it does treat him a little bit too sympathetically at points certainly towards the end um where it flirts with the idea that he was maybe a little bit misunderstood he wasn't quite the monster people say he was um and then as it goes on it it, it does sort of come down that he oh he was a monster after all well not a monster but he wasn't faultless he wasn't he wasn't um um in in any way justified in in how he approached the irish problem um, that that Parliament had at the time. Um, I think it's maybe as an event, it's quite symbolic of Irish history. Not of well, maybe not of Irish history, but of Ireland's historical relationship with Britain. Um, where if you want to boil it down to, um, its most base element, and in a way that doesn't do it any justice at all, you would say that Ireland causes problems the British send an army to stamp it out and and make it behave. Um so there's there's maybe two events I would pick um to say, you know, that would sort of sum that up. And it is the the first is is Cromwell's settling. The second is the Easter Rising in 1916. I think um with regards to the lack of Irish history stories in Doctor Who, I think there's maybe sometimes a hesitancy to cover it given how contentious you know, things still can be here, you know, at the moment. Um, Northern Ireland doesn't have a government because um one side thinks we're not British enough and in, in order to get what it wants, 
they have they have sort of collapsed our devolved government and aren't going back in until certain demands are met um with regards to how closely linked we are with Britain. Um I think I don't think it's possible to make a story that is going to satisfy a hundred percent of the audience. Someone somewhere is going to have an issue with it. Um but I think the settling is probably the best or the settling manages it quite well in that it does present that nuanced take, as I said, that it does not fully condemn Cromwell, but doesn't paint him as as glorious or or correct either. I think uh, it does a it does an interesting thing. I think the settling, which is you know trying to show the human side of what is to put it very very mildly a historically divisive figure. Um, and you know they weren't messing about. They got Clive Mantle in to play Cromwell, um, and you know very strong sort of character actor. Um, it was obviously going to be sort of a very character heavy, very emotional story, and I think it does that very very well. Like you say, I think it does kind of tiptoe around what it wants its final sort of definitive message to be. Um. But yeah, it's it, it's a very very good story. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add, Sam? Um, a lot of it's kind of been covered, but I think um, what's so yeah, we kind of said it's got a really interesting kind of like nuanced uh, depiction of of Cromwell. Um, I think I I really uh, appreciate the story for that. You know, you know, it's kind of like you know his views are not not good obviously it makes it clear that he's like a a bad person ultimately um but also kind of like frames those views as kind of like of their time that doesn't make them uh any more acceptable but the the kind of yeah kind of like explores those attitudes i think um well like what's what i think is really good again it's kind of like it's it's big finish dealing with an uh, with an event that uh, the the TV show never would. Um, it's not brave enough to, and, and it's kind of like, again, it's it is sort of about. Um, it's literally called the settling. It is about colonialism because uh, what the the kind of like the colonial apparatus that the British then later developed in in North America and Africa was formulated over centuries in Ireland. You know, it was a very gradual process of what what is sort of incorrectly called like internal colonialism you know it's it's a kind of like we're doing doing all of this stuff to like the closest neighbors um well then using those kind of like strategies of like conquest and, and settlement and replacement um those those kind of same kind of methods were then deployed to to great effect across the world um you know um and i think this story is quite good at showing that although it doesn't like it's kind of like draw those connections explicitly um i think it's really it's really good for that yeah Uh, yeah absolutely it does do that very well um just one thing that i thought maybe we could discuss was um something that big finish does it's not really big finish's fault actually it does come from doctor who the tv series but while we're discussing sort of historical figures and the way they're portrayed um let's sort of maybe discuss Winston Churchill because uh, we do see sort of a very romanticized version from Big Finish uh, and obviously 
on-screen Doctor Who as well. Um, where do you stand on that? You go first, Sam. Um, so I think I, I touched on this a little bit in part one, uh, in that the, the Churchill we see in, in Doctor Who, uh, to the, the Ian McNeese version at least, um, is very much the the mythologized uh, kind of the kind of like national myth, national icon version of him, rather than any sense of him as a kind of as a real person. Um, you know, he's he's kind of like he's he's everything you expect him to be. You know, he's kind of like cantankerous and forthright and all this stuff, but he is ultimately kind of a, a hero and one of the protagonists. You know, he's been given his own his own box sets. Um, and that is that is something that doesn't sit right with me, especially as um, since 2010 when Victory of the Daleks aired, I think the conversation on him and a lot of his really unsavory, like racist views, have been brought into, brought into light a bit more um, and brought into public conversation a little bit more. And so, Big Finish continuing to use uh, him as a kind of like. T- as a kind of like heroic figure doesn't, doesn't sit that right with me i especially disliked the um what's the one it's the start of uh ravenous i forget what the story is called but anyway so to having you know you know sort of like 2010 tv doctor who doing that is is fine but having the when it was the kind of like current i say current you know uh like paul mcgann era um and having him you know, having him have a hotline to the TARDIS and all this and just being like good mates and all that stuff. You know, I know Paul McGann's into his history and I'm sad that Paul McGann uh, performed that so uh, kind of like, I mean, he's a great actor, but like I'm sad he performed that so enthusiastically um, because, um, yeah, just it just didn't sit right with me. I, as I understand it, I've not heard it, but I think uh, what I know about Subterfuge um does some quite good things with him in that you know that like the doctor isn't necessarily siding with churchill and the, you know the ter- the tide of that that election didn't go in his favor um and he the doctor is quite uh unapologetic about that i think that's good um but i mean you know we're talking about mal mal winston churchill was prime minister for most of that you know like he initiated all of that bad stuff and so it, it's i think it's it, it's an interesting not quite contradiction, but it's interesting that a thousand tiny wings can exist in the Big Finish canon, along with the Churchill Adventures box sets, whatever they're called. You know, it's it's a weird one. It's, it, I mean, I think it, it's it's something that actually goes wider than Doctor Who. This kind of, there are people out there, I think, that genuinely believe he single-handedly marched into Germany in 1945, and you know, took down the entire German army by himself, walked into the bunker and sort of beat Hitler in a a one-to-one fist fight. <laughs> yeah. uh, there, there are, I've, I've seen this. I've seen people go, oh, well, he killed Hitler. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitler killed <laughs> Hitler. Um, it, it, yeah, he, he, we do have this sort of... He, he just... He has this reputation purely because he was the leader at that time um and yeah i i I don't agree with this romanticized version and subterfuge is an excellent story um but it's much more about the doctor keeping history on track because the meddling monks there as well 
So it's much more about the Doctor trying to keep history on track than it is sort of questioning uh, Churchill uh, himself. Um, yeah, I, I could rant about this for quite a while as well. I get the feeling you could, so I'm going to shut up and ask Connor what he thinks. I think Doctor Who has got itself into a bit of an awkward position with Churchill because of the disconnect between Churchill, the character, and Churchill, the man. Um, and Subterfuge does pay lip service to the idea of being a, a historical about him. And I do appreciate that it's the first um, audio or TV story, at least the first performed story, um, that sort of does Churchill outside the war. Now, I think there's a Sixth Doctor book that covers the earlier part of his life um but i haven't read it so i can't talk about it um subterfuge um yes it's set just after the war it's there's the relationship between the doctor and churchill isn't as antagonistic as i would have liked um certainly because i think of the final scene in particular where um Churchill is furious because he realizes that the doctor has all this time been trying to lose him the election. Um, but the doctor standing in his office or in the office doorway going, please still be my friend. And it's Winston who gets the upper hand in that scene. Um, because it's him who gets to reject the doctor. Um, I think there is scope for a story where the doctor does reconsider his opinion of Churchill but it would have to be very carefully handled, and I'm not sure how you would square it um, with the 11th Doctor being so friendly with him in, in victory of the Daleks. Um, at this, you know, I don't mind so much the version of Churchill that does appear, because that's what Churchill the character has been established to be in Doctor Who. Whether we like it or not, that's how he's been written. And you would end up, I think, with a certain amount of whiplash if you changed his 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 characterization but i do think it could be done and i do think there is a story out there somewhere where you can have the doctor and churchill reevaluating you know sort of how they think about one another um yeah i think i think it's yeah it's unfortunate they've kind of like because of their they kind of they need to stick to the tv portrayal and i guess the the version of the character they've developed since um, it's a, it would be then difficult to kind of go back on this and kind of reveal some of his less, much, much less positive attributes. Um, and, uh, you, you know, it's it's maybe nice to think that, uh, you know, a life a lifelong friendship with the Doctor changes a person and maybe the Doctor Who universe, Churchill, is a nicer person um, and not a horrible, massive racist. But, like... It's, you know history still progressed along basically the same course so like i don't know it's it's a it's a difficult one yeah there is there is that bit in um sympathy for the devil where the master has a go at the doctor for being so friendly with dictators um you know he says oh chairman mao spoke ever so highly of you um the doctor's like well, when, I, when i knew him he was a librarian so you can sort of view it as the doctor jumping in and meeting historical figures and not fully appreciating the damage that they've done. You know, you can sort of square there that he's, he's gone and he's met lots of different people of that ilk and of that uh, notoriety. 
but it's not great. You, you like you, we sort of mention, um, you know, the doctor being friends with Chairman Mao. Oh, he was a librarian then. They don't even have that excuse with Churchill. I think at this point, with Big Finish included, the Doctor has met Churchill, what, throughout every year of the Second World War at some point and beyond. I also think, I enjoy Subterfuge. I think it's a good story, um, despite sort of this problematic aspect. I do find it interesting that the Doctor that's in that story, though, is very much you know, the seventh doctor in his latter days, morally grey and a little bit ends justify the means and manipulative and that kind of thing. And actually, it's a shame that that doesn't get played with. Um, you know, there, there are two people there that have you know, made some, for various reasons, made absolutely shocking decisions and been responsible for some very, very horrible things. And there's actually room for a discussion that, the story doesn't want to do. It's not what the story's doing. I mean, in some ways, it's it's a bit of a comedy romp, subterfuges. Um, so yeah, it, it's I do find the whole portrayal to be a bit strange and a bit interesting, and I do sort of wonder if there is a way it could be approached differently. Uh, but I just I think the only way at this point to sort of reconcile it is the Hooniverse and where we are are very different places, and Churchill was a very different person in that one. I think that's the only way to kind of balance it out. Um, Another thing that we wanted to discuss was sort of the representation of, uh, I suppose, Queen Victoria's time on the throne throughout Doctor Who. Um, And I guess we've kind of talked about doing this through the eyes of Jago and Lightfoot, um, which does have a few sort of instances of let's hop around the British Empire on a boat and go on a bit of a holiday. Um, so I like the Jago and Lightfoot stories. They're a lot of fun, but they're, they're not acknowledging sort of uh, some of the problems of the time, shall we say. Uh, Sam, you go ahead on that. Uh, so I I really like Jago and Lightfoot, but it's, it's this, and it, it, I guess it's kind of like a wider issue with how Doctor Who deals with the past, um victorian era is a kind of like iconic one in in like british and english history you know it's kind of partly because of partly because the empire and partly because it's it's actually like fairly modern um and so like jago and lightfoot is quite a nice cozy like slightly tropified version of kind of like victorian england and 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 you're right and it doesn't always explore well never it's not kind of the remit of the series but it doesn't explore the kind of like dark side and a lot of the really unpleasant uh kind of undercurrents of victorian society um i think there are there are a few stories i seem to remember it's just just like off the top of my head like the necropolis express deals with some of the kind of like and um what's the one with like oscar wilde where it's uh, hinted that like Lightfoot is gay, all of that. That like so it kind of like there is some where it kind of they do kind of delve into the maybe not delve into, but they touch on the like the prejudices and the unpleasant uh, currents of that of that era and that society. Um, but generally, it's a kind of like it's doing it's doing the Victorian era as in its um, public history e. Uh, 
like slightly mythologized way um it's it's firmly playing with the with the image of it as kind of like a, a, a little bit fun and it's you know like victorian era is such a common setting for doctor who stories because it because of its kind of like iconic status and rarely do they get into the yeah the, those the, the real dark side that that society had I suppose we kind of look back as at the Victorian era as this kind of, oh, you know, wasn't it quirky and weren't the things like, you know, slightly macabre like the Necropolis Express and that sort of thing. Um, and Jacob and Lightfoot very much plays up to that sort of, you know, obviously uh, Jago as a character um, runs a theatre, so it is very theatrical and quirky and daisy-daisy and all that kind of thing. Um and I suppose it raises the question, actually, does does something need to challenge history when it's set in the past? Because Jacob and Lightfoot, it is just fun. It's an awful lot of fun. And it, it perhaps doesn't need to start challenging things like the Empire and so on. Um, and I'd say that spreads to Doctor Who as a whole as well. You know, we've got an awful lot, an awful lot of Doctor Who set during the Victorian era. Um, none of it comes across as particularly challenging. The like Torchwood Queen Victoria plays are probably the best that big big finish, and possibly the the kind of like uh, the franchise. Uh, don't want to call it that, but like the franchise as a whole, uh, in terms of you you know because Queen Victoria is like a sort of like an antihero in those. She's kind of like she's she's really not a nice person, and she's manipulative and cruel, um, and all of this kind of stuff. Um, so th- th- there is like Big Finish have made an attempt to do it, but they've done it in their more kind of like adult range, I think. Which you know perhaps is in some ways the place to handle it, because um, as we've said, sort of stories like Peterloo Massacre, the Settling, uh, Thousand Tiny Wings, they are things that Doctor Who wouldn't do normally, uh, certainly wouldn't do on the TV series. Um, I guess sort of, you know, with it being big finish, there is that scope to just kind of push things a little bit more. Um, and also in when Queen Victoria did appear in Doctor Who in Tooth and Claw, it wasn't the most sympathetic of portrayals, really. Um, I mean, I've, I've a lot of problems with characterization throughout that story all over the place. But uh, yeah, she did come across as a bit brash and a bit, unpleasant i suppose um yeah uh connor your thoughts on victorian stuff in doctor who um i think it's more at this stage more of a vibe or an aesthetic than it is um you know any you know then there's usually any serious attempt to examine the 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 attitudes that sort of underpinned the age um which maybe it's just because it's how we treat the Victorian era generally, but I'm I'm mostly fine with it. It calls to mind the likes of Sherlock Holmes, you know, in that sort of adventure story or 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 mystery, or you know, the likes of the you know as as was mentioned earlier, the sort of the macabre um, imagery of of London streets full of fog lit by gas lamps with men in long coats and tall hats you know um you know walking through the mist 
Um, I like that imagery. I I do like Doctor Who ending up in the Victorian era, but that's it's it's more for that aesthetic than it is for, you know, examining the likes of the British Empire. The British Empire was pretty much at its height during the Victorian era, wasn't it? Um, yeah. 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 It's 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 on those terms that I enjoy it rather than, but I I do think there is as well an awareness of, you know, going from the snowman Victorian values. You do end up with, you know, villains tend to be from the mold of workhouse owners or or industrialists. Um, so I I do think that sort of stuff works its way in. I don't think it's ever done deliberately to sort of, um interrogate if that's the right word um the standards of the time i'd agree and actually i I quite like the allusion to sherlock holmes there that kind of quirky victorian london that's full of adventure and all of these odd characters and that kind of thing um the snowman for a moment just goes the snowmen, sorry, just goes a little bit more uh, Dickensian, I suppose, in its portrayal of Victorian London. Um, And perhaps that's slightly more accurate. Um, Yeah, anything else either of you would like to add, or should we move on? I think the the Dickensian aspect comes from kind of like what I was talking about in part one, where it's, 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 again, it's that kind of like iconic... Uh, media influenced image of that of, of that era um it, it's kind of like it's doing and i guess all of all of that kind of like image image imagery that we like the, the sort of like fog fog shrouded streets streets and all that comes from comes from its repetition in books and tv and film you know it's one it's one of those um and so doctor who being a part of that isn't i don't think it's inherently problematic or anything um but it, it's it's just you know it's a Doctor Who's version of that of that era is part of a tradition rather than being it's it's something unique to the to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we're sort of beginning to come to a close now, but before we do sort of sign off completely, uh, I'm just going to pose you both a question, which is, uh, where do you? feel the TARDIS or I should say when do you feel the TARDIS should land that it hasn't previously so what what historical settings periods whatever have yet to be utilised uh, by Doctor Who across various medias uh, do you want to go first Sam? Uh, oh that's an, that's an interesting one um, I think I guess sort of to do kind of based on like what we've been talking about today I think there are some, a, a lot more, I, I would like Doctor Who to delve into kind of um, Empire and stuff a, a little bit more um, in terms of the, the like effects it had on people, more kind of like personal stories, uh, things like that. And, and you know, so many places in the world that you can do that. But also like, like pre-colonial civilizations are also really interesting. I think um, it's it's a difficult one because a lot of, the, the main cast and a lot of the even a lot of the original companions that Big Finish has created have been white and played by white actors um, so it's it's a little bit difficult I think you'd, you'd want to do something like that with more of a personal connection to it um, it's, it's a tricky one but that's, that is something I'd like to see more of and also um, we talk about Peter Lou like um, 
more kind of like more like working class history or like uh, if they did a story about like queer history I'd be really really up for that um, and I think Big Finish is possibly the place to do that because as I said it's more niche like if um, if they gave Eccleston a story set in kind of like the he, I think he said he, he's interested in doing a kind of like um, sort of like a, a historical or like he, he I think he said he wanted to do a story where he met his like parents or grandparents so if they were to do an Eccleston story set during kind of like the labor movement of the 1910s or 20s, I think that could be really, really fascinating um, and like potentially really like good and strong and good good for that doctor specifically as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think making a story personal to uh, the actor could also, you know, be very potentially uh, interesting. I think it could sort of bring out one hell of a performance not that there's anything wrong with any of Eccleston's performances at all of course um Connor what about you um I mentioned it earlier um I would pick the Easter Rising in 1916 um which was it sort of it took place across the island of Ireland but was mainly focused on Dublin um and it was a sort of armed uprising against British rule in Ireland in Ireland um, that was sort of done from the point of view that oh the British are over fighting the you know the war and um, that was then during the First World War the British are away fighting the war now's our chance we can take Ireland back um, was sort of the thinking behind it um, and I think it's a again I, I said earlier it's one of those symbolic events that sort of acts as a cross section of Irish history with regards to its relationship with Britain. Um, it was the catalyst, really, that led in the short term to British withdrawal from Ireland. Um, um, there was two sort of major outcomes being that um, because um, the, the leaders of the Rising were executed, um, that wasn't a popular move in Ireland. Um, the, the, that sort of started turning public, public opinion against British rule. Um, and then the second thing that happened was the Irish Republican Army was formed after it, and they then fought the War of Independence against um, the British, um, which which ended in 1921 with partition. Um, Northern Ireland was formed, and the Republic of Ireland, or the Irish Republic, was 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 created. Um, I'd like that covered, as I said, because it does give a good cross section of history. It sort of acts symbolically almost of the following century it sort of sets the tone for the following century um in ireland and i think there's enough distance now to cover it and maybe not have it be so contentious as it might once have been um it's it's more than 100 years ago now it is sort of into historical event territory um I, and it, it's as well it's one of those pieces of living history like you can go to dublin you can go to the main site um, of of where the rising ended up, which was the general post office building, and the pillars at the front were never repaired. You can put your fingers into the bullet holes on those pillars from the front um, that were caused by the British, and you can put them in. You know, you can put your finger into the bullet holes on the back that were caused by the Irish uh, rebels. Um, and that's I, I remember going to Dublin years ago, and and being able to do that, and it has sort of stuck in my head ever since that there's a real living bit of history that you can touch. Um, that's a thing that happened. I would, I would love that to 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 be done. Um, in Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, that that would 
make an incredibly powerful piece of drama and obviously cover a very significant, really, historical event. Um, and, you know, again, it's, as with some of the st- other stuff we've discussed today, it is still something that's kind of, you know, carrying on. It, there are still consequences. There are still changes. So, yeah, I think that could be a very interesting sort of place to uh, for the Doctor to venture. Um I, again, something I've kind of alluded to already this episode, I'd actually like to see very recent history uh, get covered, which I get is always shaky ground. But, um, you know, I'm thinking the collapse of the Berlin Wall, that kind of thing. What did the Doctor do on the day that the Berlin Wall came down and all that kind of thing? And um, there's, in some ways, room for there to be a, positive spin on that episode which there's there's not on a lot of the scuff uh, a lot of the stuff that we have discussed uh, in this episode uh, but there are you know there are consequences that went on from that as well that weren't necessarily as rosy and lovely as uh, a lot of things would suggest okay we'll leave it there then uh, but I do think the plan is to come back and talk about history even more at some point in the future yes my favorite thing yes let's yeah, do it brilliant okay um so yeah we'll, we'll definitely do more historical who podcast episodes uh, it is as it was with the third first one it has been thoroughly interesting discussing this with you two I've really enjoyed it and hopefully we can uh get Alex back on to talk a little bit more about history yeah, as well. Yeah, sure, joined us sure. in the first it episode. Missed. Yeah. Um, but we are out of time. We shall leave it there. So I shall say thank you and goodbye to you, Sam. Goodbye. And thank you and goodbye to Connor. Thank you. And we will be back for more podcasting soon. Goodbye now. <laughs>